Hello and welcome to Into the Wild, the podcast that brings you wildlife facts, conservation updates and nature stories from the professionals to you. This episode of Into the Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. Enjoying the sights and sounds of my nearest green space and woodland area of Hampstead Heath is always one of my favourite things to do. And one animal I enjoy hearing the most is the woodpecker. The thing is, they are so blooming hard to spot. But now, thanks to my Leica UltraVid HD Plus binoculars, I get to see these beautiful birds hammering away for food with very little work. These easy to use binoculars are fitted with high-end technology, making spotting wildlife a breeze. They are perfect for a binocular beginner like myself. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone, welcome to Into the Wild. I'm your host, Ryan Dalton. A very good evening to you, or good morning, or good afternoon. Um, or for God's sake, go to bed, depending on what time you listen to this podcast. I hope you're all well since I last spoke to you. I saw my first Jersey Tiger Moth of the year. Get in, absolutely buzzing. Happy about that. Um, other than that, I'm not going to lie to you lot. It's been quite a depressing week in regards to nature and wildlife in the media. Well, I say that more climate crisis news. There's fires sweeping everywhere. It's just been absolutely like face palmy, kind of horrible, horrible stuff. Um, but you know, I, I wanted to. The reason why I brought that up is because I wanted to say something. This week, I've really been struggling to kind of keep positive about the way the natural world is um, going and also how it's being treated around the world by everyone. So I wanted to say, if you have also been feeling like that and a bit of um, a bit of eco anxiety or eco doom kind of mood, you're not alone, right? I've been feeling it with you, and I know that everyone that is listening along with you right now has also been feeling that kind of, you know, that that doom mood. But it will get better because when everything, sh- when we're in the. Sh- this situation it can only get better that's a very optimistic way of looking at the natural world but that's the mood i'm going with so today when you're listening to into the wild um use this hour this chat along with my guests because i know it's a good episode um to step away from that and kind of put yourself first all right so listen to this have a laugh with us today and after the episode just go out there and do one thing for the planet. It doesn't matter what it is. I know a lot of my listeners probably do loads already, but try and do one thing that you haven't done before. If you haven't swapped to a renewable energy company yet, just go online. It takes 10 minutes to Google a company and do a bit of research and start planning those changes. If you want to start eating less meat or eating more organic local meat, um, or something like that, or start planting some organic wildflower in your garden ready for later this year and early next year as well. Stuff like this, start getting it ready. And I think if we do something like that every single week, not only will it help the planet, but it will help us feel a little bit better, right? So after this episode, go out there, just take 10 minutes and do something with your life. And it's not your responsibility. I'm not saying that this is your fault. (laughs) I don't want anyone going, well, it's not our fault, it's corporations, which is true. Um, which is true but I'm saying it will help you as well make you feel a bit better and it's a good technique anyway moving on from positivity or on from that thought it's time for 60 second nature news now again this is a segment where I try my darndest to read out four positive wildlife or conservation stories from around the world in 60 seconds it's never 60 seconds we all know that is never 
Um, but let's see how it goes today. So a big breath. Um, I'm going to have a swig of my wine because it's a Saturday. <laughs> it's not Friday. It's a Saturday for me. Oh, it's a nice... Right, okay. <laughs> it's not. It's just an Audi white wine. Right, okay. Here we go. 60 second nature news. Good luck, Ryan. Let's go. The Rutland Osprey Project announced the 200th Osprey chick fledged this year. Launching in 1996, this project, founded by Leicestershire and Rutland Wildlife Trust, works in partnership with Anglian Water and the Roy Dennis Foundation to reintroduce this beautiful bird of prey back into the skies of England, where they've been extinct for almost 150 years. Disappearing centuries ago, wildcats have started to return to the forests of southern Netherlands. The number of wildcats have been increasing in southern Limburg since 2013 as they have moved from saturated habitats in the neighbouring Eiffel Mountains of Germany and the Belgian Ardennes to look for new territories. African wild dogs have returned to Malawi. 14 African wild dogs have been collared and released in Lawand National Park and Majeti Wildlife Reserve in southern Malawi where the endangered species has not been seen for 20 years. And finally, in Sierra Leone, two colourful land crabs have been rediscovered and two new species found. Research teams have found an Aphelius crab, which has had no recorded sightings for 225 years. The last one seen in 1796. And the Sierra Leone crab, not seen in 66 years. Also found were two species of crabs belonging to the genus of the common river crab in West Africa. Only one of these species of genus was known to exist in Sierra Leone before now. The quest for crabs was sponsored by the conservation organisation ReWild as the Sierra Leone crab is number 8 on the ReWild's 25 most wanted lost species list. So far, their search for lost species programme has rediscovered seven other lost species. And that's the end of 60 Second Nature News. Never have wine before doing that again. Man, that was... um. I mean, I just want to say sorry to Oscar, um, who edits this, because uh, I had a glass of wine before doing it. And, uh, I mean, Oscar, you heard the raw, unedited version of that 60-second nature. Maybe one day we should just release the unedited version. (laughs) Okay, maybe I'll do that on the 100th episode. I'll release the unedited version of 60-second nature news. And you can hear... I mean, you'll, you'll definitely need to be over 18 to listen to it. And, um, yeah, it's it's not pretty, guys. It's not pretty. Anyway, moving on to today's episode. Um, I'm, I say this every time, but I am buzzing for this episode because I feel like it was a long time coming. Um, it was someone that I had conversed with on social media. I had um, done Q&As on her social media a couple of times with her. Um, and this time she was jumping over onto Into the Wild to have a chat with myself it is the wonderful wildlife presenter, filmmaker. Oh, she's just absolutely wonderful. It's Lizzie Daly. I had such a wonderful chat with her, which seems forever ago, may I add. Um, uh, we did this before my month's break, but we were chatting all about appreciating local wildlife. And I think after the year that we've had, I, do, I can't tell you how many times I've said that sentence, but after the year that we all had, how much we've come to realise that it's recognising and appreciating our local wildlife, which can really open our eyes up to the natural world. And no one knows that more than Lizzie Daly, who lives in the most beautiful area of Wales, um, who just 
absolutely has fallen in love with the wildlife on her doorstep. The seabirds, the marine mammals and the marine species there. Um, she absolutely loves it. And she tells us all about it in this episode. So I'm not going to, you know, badger on too much. In fact, I think we speak about badgers. But I'm not going to badger on for too long um, because I really want to bring this episode to you. So enjoy this and grab a pen and paper because there's some lots of tips from Lizzie here of how to go and spot wildlife. So this is Local Wildlife with Lizzie Daly. Lizzie Daly! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Into the Wild, mate. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm all right. Mate, I've done my neck in. If I don't turn very much in this episode for you, if you're like, why is he so robotic? I, I did my neck in yesterday. Are you on a spinny chair? This is really important for bad necks. No, I'm on a sofa. Oh, no, it's no good. You need a spinny chair. I just have to pivot. Do you know how I did it as well? Go on. I, I, took, I took my T-shirt off to get in the shower and I did my neck in. Oh, no. Do you know, I feel like these are really, like, <laughs> COVID-related problems these days. We're like, oh, I've been on Zoom for nine hours and now I can't see. <laughs> I've, I've come to the conclusion that the age of 31 is currently the worst age you can be (laughs) because i'm old enough that i can do my neck in while taking a t-shirt off i'm still not old enough to get a vaccination yet i mean what yeah that is a perfect sum up of 2021 i think (laughs) (laughs) it is is. um but how was you like uh for the listeners we're recording on a monday morning so we're trying to be energetic um we are energetic my weekend was good i'm here in london at the moment so went climbing yeah, I went climbing on the weekend. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't much wildlife this weekend, but all I can hear, do you know what? The parakeets just oh, go on and on. Yeah. It's like a constant ringtone of my life here <laughs> in London, and I'm just like, parakeets, parakeets. It's just so annoying. You hear them more than more than you hear an ambulance. Yes, which is, yeah, it's like, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, <laughs> it's just ongoing. I'm like, oh, okay. Where in yeah. London are you, mate? You're in my neck of the woods. I am. I'm, I don't actually know where I am. People say this all the time, like, where in London? And I'm like, don't know. You know, you just it's all just kind of blends into one after a while. Did you have to look out the window to know where you were? I think I just yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I just had to tell. <laughs> Is there a massive sign outside? Clapham North! Clapham North! No, it's funny. I sp- I do actually end up spending a lot of time in London, but coming through for meetings or like off on trips and stuff. I never oh. actually hang out here. I see some great parks here. There was one park I went There's to. There's some amazing places. Yeah. One, um, I think I think we actually spoke about this before, but there was one park run by the National Trust, I believe, and there's just an amazing kingfisher, just brilliant birds that just come through mm. all the time. I went there, literally arrived, about 20 minutes, literally just went and stood on this bridge and there was this amazing kingfisher just sat on sat on this tree. It's amazing. That's what I like about London wildlife. I've got to be honest, that if someone says there's a kingfisher here, if you go there, you will see that kingfisher. Yeah. yeah. They're quite reliable in that sense, aren't they? Yeah. Urban wildlife's reliable because it's there yeah. and it's routine and lots of people see it. So it's well documented. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to go and see something, you will see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do about these parakeets. That's what though. I like about it. It's a bit of a worry. Yeah. It's an odd one. Anyway. Anyway. We've just been having a catch up at the beginning of the show. Sorry. <laughs> Um, not that I think many people will need to know the answer to the first question, but as routine for Into the Wild, Izzy, uh, Lizzie, I'm getting your name That's wrong That's fine, now. who cares? Monday morning. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> um, I'm going to ask you the question. Can you start by telling us who you are, Lizzie, and <laughs> yeah. what is it you do? So, yes, I'm Lizzie Daly and I'm a biologist and broadcaster. So kind of many different roles within that. But essentially, I'm just studying a PhD at the moment at Swansea University. I've always had a love for wildlife and always wanted to be a biologist. And I'm also a presenter. So go around and tell various stories about wildlife and have worked with various productions and BBC and Nat Geo, etc. So <laughs> you're very good at talking to people about wildlife as well. That is that you you're very Thanks, it's mate. evident that you enjoy doing it. Is that something you've always had? You've always liked communicating about something you love? Yeah. I think the joy comes from being able to share that excitement with someone and like have that moment yeah. where you get to see somebody and talk to them and they get equally as pumped or they get really excited. You share a special sighting. You know, it's just like incredible. Yeah. I up on Mole back in October, I had a, an amazing encounter with a hen harrier just hovering above me. And I was with this gentleman called Ewan, who's a local naturalist and guide. And honestly, that experience by yourself would have been very emotional, probably would have cried. And it's just like, oh, just a really special moment. But when it's with somebody yeah. else, you know, it's just like... It amplifies the whole thing. And I think that's what I realised quite early on, is that I love it and that's great, but I it does, it's half the half the job, if you like, because I kind of want other yeah. people to feel the same. <laughs> that is true. That's why cameras exist. That yeah. is literally, so if you're on your own, you can see it and hopefully snap it yeah. and then show someone else. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it is, I, I, when I, I remember I saw my first wild adder this year and when I did it, it was just a random, another wildlife lover on a walk. And I was just like by the pond, just sat having a chill time. And then he said, oh, because I had my camera, I think he assumed I was a nature person. Yeah. And he went, there's an adder up here. And I went, and so he had come over to tell me. Oh, I And then we went it. back and then just sat and watched it. And I was, and you're so right. It was my first one. And it was like just sharing that moment with a complete... I didn't even know his name. Oh, see. <laughs> but we had that moment where we're like, oh my God, look at how beautiful is it? How small it is? Yeah. How camouflaged it is? Yeah, it's, it's amazing to share that with someone else. Yeah, and then what I always find is that meeting new people or having those moments with, with, with others, they may bring kind mm. of new experiences or knowledge or stories to that that encounter experience. And you, you can chat about it and you can pick up characteristics on that adder, like what that diamond pattern is looking like mm. at that time of year and where you've seen other adders. And it's just, there's a real sense of community in wildlife, I feel. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't see how you can, you know, being a scientist side, side of it is really great. Obviously, it is the everything that mm. underpins everything that we know, but there is a real need, I feel, from from my experience to share that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree. I do agree. Um, I think I know the answer to the next question because there is sometimes a similar answer, but I think it's going to be for you as well. When did your love for wildlife and nature begin? Oh, gosh. Well, so, <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I, um, so my, when I was six, you know this, Ryan, but I'll, for the, those listening, when I was six, I decided that elephants was going to be my go-to. I knew that that was like, I want to be an elephant. I, w I actually remember saying, like, I want to be the person who is like with elephants, knowing what they're doing and like following elephants. And I think at the time I was just like, is that a thing? Like, can that be a thing? Like, I, I want to be that person. <laughs> and so that has never gone away. But kind of mm. through my like I studied biology at school and, and mm. had a very lucky experience of my family being quite outdoorsy, not necessarily wildlifey, but very uh, outdoorsy. And so we went kind of on these backpacking, basically just um, me and my sister, my dad and my mum would just get a backpack and just go around Europe and camp and kayak Amazing. and bivy in the middle of nowhere and just having that 
initial introduction and connection to the outdoors, which is what I think sparked this kind of growing mm. interest over my upbringing. And then, um, and then, yeah, my, my kind of, I obviously wanted to study it, become a biologist, because what a cool job, like everyone on this planet. That, yeah. Yeah, how can you not want to study wildlife? <laughs> but then kind of went a bit of a weird way. So instead of studying elephants straight away, it was a case of looking at kind of local wildlife first and then looking at uh, arthropods, so ladybirds more specifically and how they sense... Oh, really? Yeah, because, oh, well, I know what it was. My... um. Supervisor Daniel Robert at Bristol University, his research mm. just is awesome. So I was like, I want to go and study with him. So um, that was for my masters in Bristol, and he was looking at um, electroreception in bees, uh, which is Amazing. just oh, just like how and this hidden world, this hidden world of senses, like how do terrestrial species like sense the world? What the heck? This whole untapped area was like, yes, I want to study that. So I uh, did that for a little <laughs> while, and then um, went on to now do my PhD with elephants. Finally, so it's kind of come full circle. Hasn't been like a straight path at all, but I feel like you've scaled up. Yeah. You've gone I from mean, the smallest. <laughs> to the biggest. <laughs> to the biggest land mammal. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I do kind of get a bit of, oh, gosh, maybe this isn't the best thing to be so open about because I feel like in the scientific community, there's a very linear, obvious kind of go-to. But my scattergun approach to just wanting to do everything <laughs> is just so like... <laughs> but I think everyone shares that with you. I don't think you're alone. I think from someone that is you know not necessarily academic in nature or, or certainly not for the last few years i do have that call it's like as soon as spring comes in i want to know all about the insects exactly i just want to know everything exactly. but then when summer comes in i'm all about the flowers yeah, and then yeah. when autumn comes in i'm about the fungi yeah, or I'm about yeah. the you know the amphibians that are going dormant a little bit and it's you just I, you have that feeling that you just want to know everything. Yes, but you do have other people that are not like that, and you're like, I just want to know about coral. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that will yeah. suit me down. Um, so it is nice. I think a scattered approach is what's needed in the yeah. science world. <laughs> and actually, I think the broadcasting side of it and the storytelling side of it kind of mm. uh, scratches that itch, if you like, because for my PhD, yeah. which is like, it's really for me. That's like something. I, I can really kind of spend time, years, getting an, a, a grip on. And that obviously isn't specifically with elephants, as we talked about earlier. It's kind of looking at state in, yeah. state in animals and movement. So it's always kind of been about behaviour for me and that curious understanding about why they behave. And, oh, yeah, it's um yeah it's a great opportunity to pair the two kind of worlds together. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's such a cool topic for your PhD as well, I think, because it's also stepping a massive leap forward in being able to assess a situation without getting close. Yeah, yeah. Like close enough just to see. And I think it pushes that kind of how can we start to observe with just also taking a step back. Yes. And I really, I, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, thank you. you no, know, and I should also say that's the Swansea University and a massive thanks to Luca Borger and Rory Wilson, who are animal movement experts and just incredible. So there you go. Amazing. <laughs> well, shout out to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to be, because you said this at the beginning, actually, about, well, just a minute ago, about local wildlife. Yeah. Um, and you're a big fan of celebrating wildlife kind of on your doorstep, no matter where you are. Yeah. Why do you think it's important for people to realise what they have on their doorstep? It's a case of people want to look after what they care about. They connect with what's around them. Mm. You are... It, you are part of that environment day in, day out. So why wouldn't you want to celebrate that and look after it? I, I, it's, it's not that I kind of poo-poo any 
amplification or need to conserve things elsewhere you know throughout my career so far I've been very lucky to do stories all over the world and that's absolutely needed this global approach to conservation but why you know if everybody wherever they lived cared about what's on their doorstep I feel like it would be a problem halved in a way just just because it, it's it's needed as well it's not like oh we've got everything under control here in the UK and all our land is wild <laughs> we and, really don't well this is the <laughs> other thing you know we're so quick to look elsewhere so quick to look elsewhere mm. and tell them how how it's done and here in the UK we are probably the worst example for how to ruin a landscape and ruin you know pollinators and the very fundamentals of our natural world so I think we need to completely flip that on our head and what's great is you know chatting to you and other young naturalists I, I feel there's a real drive for that and people are really yeah. hungry to do that and even here in London um, programs like Gorilla Gardening have you have you been involved yeah, yeah. I love it yeah Gorilla, gorilla it. Gardening bit bit spicy but own your green spaces and and some really amazing yeah. kind of yeah just green spaces even here in Clapham North now that I know where I am <laughs> no 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 you know where you are <laughs> <laughs> You've got Clapham Common right near you. Yes, yeah, no, I do, I do. Yeah, I, I need to do... <laughs> Wimbledon Common's not far. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to have to... After this. the Wombles, mate. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to draw me a map, Ryan. I went, what, of London? <laughs> Massively underestimated the size of London. <laughs> there should be... Is there a thing? Is there a green space map of London equivalent, you know? There's... There must be. If there, there must be there like a be. London park and green space book. Or I know be. Paul Wood that we had on the show. He's a he loves urban trees. He did um his favorite urban tree map of London. Oh cool. And it's like fifty one or something of his favorite London trees oh. to go around everywhere. So that that's a good map. You can do it in a day, but it's a lot of travelling. I love that. Um, that's a really interesting one. Tree. I've got. I've really grown an appreciation for trees and the role of trees, mm. and um, especially back in where. So in Swansea, there's currently this whole scheme of like you know building bigger and better shopping centres in the heart of Swansea, and unfortunately, what they're doing is ripping up all these ancient oaks and and replacing oh, them with no. kind of small berry seedlings basically yeah and it's it's the, the yeah. value of that is just like you can't just go around saying you need to plant more trees it's so much more complex than that but yeah it's it's so hard because i think there's a, a big call as well for planting trees to, is to do it in the right environment and in the right way it's not just a case of put a tree there right it's got to kind of be reviewed of why are you putting a tree there and something paul spoke about on the show was that London is classified as a forest because of its percentage of tree cover. Really? Which is quite rare for a city. So he's, I think it was something like 27% tree cover London has, which classifies it as a forest. He said, but no, no, it was lower than that, like 22%. But he said, wouldn't it be great if we could get to 30% in five, 10 years? And yeah. it's about, a bit like you were saying about with people, everyone looking after their own space, it creates that corridor. So if you start putting up more trees to connect to more trees, you bring back moth and butterflies, you bring back, you know, birds, you, all these things that have more protection. Because yeah. in my garden in London, there's no tree cover around here. So I will never get birds in my garden. Mm. It just won't happen. There's no safety. There's no, unless I put some small trees, yes, yes, yeah. which I can't do, I don't think they're ever going to come down. But if I go out the front garden, trees everywhere, there's birds everywhere. Yeah, small small area that big variation in um and I, I yeah I think I think we need to have a more green approach to that uh, across the whole and mm. and L London is a great example for that because I feel like there has been a big surge in those who want to making the, these spaces like extra green but also connected and I think the gorilla gardening what I love about it is that anyone can do it 
it's something we see a lot around here in Islington is where people have trees on the streets down there, like kind of drives or something. People have got because they concrete around the tree. Um, so then people have gone, well, screw that. So they then build a raised flower bed around the tree and then put like lavender or wildflowers. So you've got poppies growing around the base of the tree yeah. or you've got just dandy, yeah. like people just like let dandelions grow. So I think that kind of gorilla garden as well is going, well, the council aren't going to do it. So we'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one can do yeah. anything about it. <laughs> no. And it's and the benefits of that to a community and to pollinators and all the rest of it, mm. probably massive. I do yeah. I can imagine we don't even realise what, what that can do if that was... I don't know, I'm a massive supporter of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, OK, again, next time you're in London, let's go do some guerrilla gardening. Brilliant, let's do let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> you're going to have to come down for a week when you next come. Um, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so you grew up in Wales, so this might be... Um, I guess this question is not necessarily where you lived. But I guess mm-hmm. looking at what we have in the UK, what is your favourite wildlife to find on your doorstep? Might be specific to Wales. On my doorstep. Oh, duh, it's just so cliche. There's just so many, but it it has to be the it has to be the sea it has to be the seabirds. You love a seabird, don't you? It's the coast. <laughs> you know, I go. It's the coast. I head to the Pembrokeshire, right? Which is just <laughs> literally just a few hours away, and you just have everything. Everything, Ryan. Everything you could possibly want, it's there. We've never spoken and you've, like, not brought up seabirds. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's a bit of a problem. Right, I know, OK. But it's the it's kind like, I of promise pe- I wouldn't shoot up today. <laughs> but here we are again. With the here old we are race. again. <laughs> it's... I just... I don't know why not, more people don't talk about them. You cover enough... Yeah, I probably do. I'm like a little ambassador. They don't pay me or anything. No, they are amazing. I like the fact that they're mm. they're bigger than you think they're going to be. But there's big. They're bigger than you think they're going to be for some species. But there's big variations mm. that you can literally have in one place. Okay, let's say it like this: in one island, I won't talk about Skirm Island because that's a whole other thing, and I go on about it every day. But in one place, you can have these tube-nosed birds, which are related to albatross, sat right in front of you, calling away. And it's like familiar sound of home, familiar sound. Then you've got chuffs, these amazing bright birds that are just so cheeky and just just Mm. nipping around the coast. Then you're seeing gannets diving at the same time with massive wingspan. And of course, you've got then all these like, these let's say depending on when when you are there, but all these kind of autumnal or spring migrants coming in as well. Just wild coastlines. Like, I don't know how you can just get any better than that, really. <laughs> it is. I think because I've not had the experience you've had, I've not had the variety. I've gone to some coastal parts. Or to be fair, again, I think I've said this to you in the past, I've not looked. Yeah, I'm a very yeah, right, right, right. person. I'm looking at the yeah. ground. Looking You're at like logs. looking at the smaller stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's something that I'm, tr- I'm really trying to change. I'm trying to look up more when I'm walking, when it's yeah. safe to do so, so I don't fall down a yeah. manhole or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, I've not seen the variety, I think. Because I, I, they are impressive. I think the sheer size of them. Even, like, you know I love a cormorant. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I see a cormorant flying, I'm like, that's yeah. still yeah. quite a hefty yeah. And it's, but it's, um... It, it's it's honestly I feel like we here in the UK as well we are defined by coasts like I, I try and steer away from being too marine because mm. obviously there's so much more to our island that here and and but but our coasts are really like these these strange worlds of 
of of meetings. You know, I'd, I I've had um yeah. pe- you know peregrines hunting along the cliffs and just like kestrels hovering and oh, wow. and that like, you do get in some amazing invertebrate life as well. And and of course you've got like just just literally a stone's throw away if you do go for a snorkel or whatever. If you've got some amazing kelp beds, which brings a whole new kind of life. So I think I just I'm drawn to the coast and I always have been. Um, and in terms of whales, I think it's a big significant. Uh, part in in not just the people of wales but the wildlife as well so yeah <laughs> i love it here's a weird question how the hell do you deal with the wind you just you've you, got long hair like yeah, me how it's do like you deal with it? it's like this you, you you have a hood you got a hood and a proper coat but like <laughs> instead you you basically anyone that's actually spends time on the coast you kind of just do that with your hood <laughs> And you like tuck it in and then you just like with a pair of binoculars just sat there and everyone's together just kind of like have you seen have you seen that red shank? Yeah, yeah, all good. Yeah, I'm not I'm not great with wind. I'm not. I don't I, I really this isn't a science thing to say, but I don't like it. Do you not? No, like I just think it's I get it does its job. Yeah. I don't always see what its job is, but I get it we need it. Okay, I I know we can't delete wind. You, you can't delete wind. I mean just, it's literally yes, you embedded in everything. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it just is like everything's fine, but then when you add wind, it's worse. Yeah. Rain, fine. Windy rain, get out. Snow, fine. Windy snow, no. No. Hot but heat wave, fine. Hot heat wave with like wind everywhere, no. But this is I mean? this is the thing though, Ryan. I don't know. Um this is why we need to get you out on the water and have a proper like offshore trip or something, because I, mm. often when it's most windy and a little bit stormy, there's a lot of kind of weather going on. It's actually where you really see a lot of wildlife on especially out at sea. Is it? Oh, yeah. tell me that. No, I'm sorry, but it, it unfortunately it is when I was uh, I went up to Scotland and we were filming and it was a horrible day and it was raining and it was windy. So like, oh no, we're not gonna see anything. And we saw yeah. eleven breaches of a minky whale. Eleven. What? Yeah, right right in front of our very eyes. Is that because are they there? Because like the if it's stormy, I guess is it more churned up, so there's more like food for stuff. I, so I'm not sure. I mean, this goes down to the whole kind of why do whales breach in the first place? But um, it, I, I wonder if it's mm. something to do with, let's say, if it was for communication purposes, let's say, or perhaps it was a good mm. time to I don't know remove parasites with the body. Anyway, not we won't go into all the theories as to why whales breach, yeah. <laughs> but it could be if it was more stormy, it'd be kind of louder, harder to communicate to others that that whale is there or there's food there so mm. they may breach more but i don't know in my experience when it's kind of more stormy you do end up seeing a lot more activity which is you know tip for tap well, you're gonna have to take me out you're, you're gonna, gonna have, have to, to come out yeah stormy oceans. Yeah. <laughs> come on ryan let's go into the <laughs> wind it be a big like that like, fair fair size boat though i don't want to go in like a dinghy <laughs> <laughs> i can't promise you that i'm afraid you might just have to uh hold on tight <laughs> Oh, no. Well, they say it's not the size, it's the motion of the ocean, but you don't want to be in a storm in a dinghy, do, do you? You, you want <laughs> Do you get seasick? Like, no, as a rule, no, but I have been in a very... So I crossed North Island to South Island in New Zealand, and that crossing, I don't know if you've ever done it, is very choppy. Right. Um, yeah. To the point where we, I had to lay down on the ferry floor because you would literally see... A sky and then ocean, sky, and then I was like, I can't do this. But maybe in a bigger boat, it's worse. I yeah. don't know. Well, I was in quite a big boat going from Australia to New Zealand and halfway down New Zealand. We didn't do the south of the of New Zealand just because of while well, a hurricane mm. hit. So we had to cross the Tasman Sea back. And it was just, oh, yeah, it was proper, like, again, like you kind of lying in the middle of the boat, like 
crazy knots. See, hurricanes. Hurricanes, fine, but with wind, they're awful. <laughs> I love it. Take the wind out of a hurricane, mate. And they're it's just bl- cloudy weather. That's just brilliant. Good, good laugh. I actively enjoy them without the wind. Okay, where else? So, you, I mean, you love the coast, you love your seabirds, you love Wales, but where else in England do you, or not England, let's say um, the UK, okay. where do you love to go and see nature? Mm, Scotland, definitely. I've had some really mm. great encounters up in Scotland with otters and beavers and white-tailed eagles, but also somewhere that's um, mm. really, I've had some really special moments is in Norfolk area. So, Norfolk Broads. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for the cranes there. And also had some really, quite a while ago now, but um, I was up on one of these kind of the watchtowers uh, with a pair of binoculars and was watching marsh harriers out on the broads, which was pretty cool. Amazing. Um, and also the reserve along Norfolk. What's it called? Blakeney. Is it Blakeney Point? Blakeney Point. I, I wouldn't know. You, yeah, you would know better. Yeah, so um, I, I was, I did a... Uh, this kind of way back when now, I, I was kind of running along the... There's a shingle ridge, beautiful shingle ridge, and it's just really mm. good for kind of seeing variety of wildlife. And I, there was two short-eared owls. I had a counter with them, and then... Um, oh, wow. Yeah, really cool. And that kind of leads to... It's quite a big walk, but it leads to a lovely colony of grey seals and really great pupping area as well. So Norfolk has actually provided the goods on a few occasions. So, I'd, yeah. I'd, I know. Cool. I feel like it's a bit overlooked, but actually is a... There's a lot going on. <laughs> I think there's a few areas like that that's got stuff going on. Like, again, even if I look at London, I remember I was talking to Jack Perks and he said that Walthamstow Wetlands mm. in London is one of the best places in the UK he's ever been to to go and see wildlife. Really? And a variety of species? or Yeah, a variety of birds, a variety of fish and yeah. eels and stuff like that. He said, you just yeah. see it. You just, like, you go there and it's just incredible. I think, I think... I don't know if it's an RSPB site as well, but I think someone tweeted on the weekend that the Swifts were there. And they, they weren't just Swifts. They were like... It was like having mosquitoes in no front way. of the screen. They were just everywhere. Oh, wow. Just flying. It was so, so I think it's a real hot spot. Even where... Actually, my girlfriend lives on a narrowboat. And where we are now, or where the boat is in Tottenham, the wildlife there is incredible. Really? Like the amount of birds you see, the amount of kestrels, and then again, the Swifts are everywhere, house martins and stuff. There is a lot of, that's really, lot of stuff that's there. That's really, really cool. So it is nice to go and see that. What's your most memorable animal moment in the UK? Oh. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had, I've, had so, I've had so many. Yeah. Yeah, you've had a lot, haven't you? Yeah. The jellyfish was pretty cool. The bre- I enjoyed that, but but actually the joy came from what came from it, and not just in that people wanted to know more about jellyfish, but in that I I was fascinated by what we don't know about jellyfish and what we're still trying to find out even now, mm. and, and why we haven't spent the time to you know put in real understanding and and in especially media real kind of spotlight on on this group yeah. which is so mysterious and every they hit all the notes they're odd they're huge they're tiny they're venomous they're everything you could ever want from a group <laughs> yeah. and they're so like they're so like, at the same time they're all those things and they're also nearly nothing yeah. yes do you know what i mean <laughs> there's not there's not even a yeah. lot to it but they're, they cover so it's many basically stuff basically water well. blobbing about <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just the ocean. Yeah. No, so apart from that, favourite wildlife encounter? In Devon, the river otter. Um, yes. The river otter to see beavers. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. cool, yes. I mean, again, I think I think what it was, it's this idea. I really like when nature is really accessible. It's it's kind of well put together and, and you kind of... If everyone, anyone listening hasn't been 
it's a really wonderful trail, which is like almost mm. like this detective find the clues trail. It's so kind of Amazing. accessible and easy and you can see the gnawing of the beavers and the different breaking of plants and and general kind of substrate you can tell all the signs from beavers really easily and uh, myself and, and my friend were there and waited at night time and we could see them kind of going up and down the river which was absolutely awesome it was really really cool and it was That's really incredible. still kind of raining kind of a moody british night watching beavers that was pretty epic that's nice. I, remember, I know people have said to me, it's not just about going to see the beaver. It's about, it sounds like such a cliche phrase, but it's going to see the, like you said, the clues and the environment that they create. The ecosystem. It's that yes. whole experience. It's like you don't, you could go and not see yeah. the beaver, but you see the the, uh, the environment they create and that's part of the experience. Yeah, and it's like a little case study. Exactly that. It's like you can see mm. kind of how that beaver um, or those beavers have benefited even that even that small river and the ecosystem surrounding it. and of course you've got the whole that kind of is adjacent to then farmers fields and I, I learned a little bit about that obviously that conflict there and I, I'm in no way like a, yeah. a beaver expert I, I know there's I think you've had a few have you had Sophie Pavel on I had Sophie on back actually it's probably come up to a year really ago now. That's yeah mad. yeah because she's yeah. done a lot on on beavers or with the beaver trust and things so it's um yeah I'd, I'd say that's a pretty mm. special moment that's cool that's really cool so getting people to look at wildlife locally yeah what are your kind of biggest tips or your do's and your don'ts um and where can people start Ooh, okay do's and don'ts find someone else who wants to go with you who you know have the time make make the time i think i think a bit of patience actually can make you have a wildlife encounter that you didn't plan to go and see. I think there's an element of don't don't plan too much. But also, like, don't, you know, take some guides. Don't be afraid of um, having a look at what apps are out there and what's good to download, what's good to take, and take a notepad and pen. I think that's always really helpful because mm. I often, like, if I'm out, I'll note something down and then you may forget about that certain kind of, it could be a smell of something or a feel of something, which is kind of leading me on to my main tip, which is that you in that environment should go out as a kind of curious scientist, whoever you are. So go out with this like curiosity and this idea that you are conducting your own little experiments. So it may be like the leaf of a... Oh, that's cool. That's good. Yeah, like touch touch the leaf of a beech tree and how does it feel and how does that compare to your other trees and note down what insects or whatever it may be that you see on these different plants, these trees, because ultimately that will build up a picture of what other bigger maybe predators like birds you may find in these trees. And I think it's just like... Oh, I, I mean, it sounds a bit cliche, but you, you just going into these environments, be very aware of all the different senses around you and just take note and take yeah. the time to really fully be like, but what but what is that? Why am I hearing that noise from that particular tree? Okay, and, and, and what's that bird call over there and how is that different? And what time of day is it? And what's the weather? And where am I? Like, where am I in this kind of path? Yeah. So bit of a broad kind of top tip, but... Take a notepad and pen. Yeah. <laughs> and someone... Definitely. I definitely think a notepad and pen connects you more with it because it gets you off your phone. And I know I sound like a granddad saying that, but I think if you go to write something down on your phone, yeah. you're then on your phone and then you might go on something else. That's true. And then, but I think having a pen and paper, you're like, I'm going to write this down. I feel more like a 1920s explorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so true, actually, because apps are brilliant. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for apps in kind of helping mm. that because not everyone knows everything in the environment. That's how you, 
you have to have that openness yeah, to learn. Um, but you're right, because sometimes I found you get so engrossed in, in learning about, like you're reading about it, then you spend 10 minutes standing in this beautiful forest staring at your screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just going and it's like, oh. It's I like try it. to use the apps for after the walk. Yeah. Like I'll use them for pictures of, like, so on. I, what's it, um, iNaturalist, yes. kind of um, pinning where I saw it or trying to ident it. So if I'm doing Hampstead Heath, I know that like the back of my hand. So if I see something, I know where to pin it. If I was in a new area, I might do it there and then. But I just, I mean, I guess it depends how good you are yeah. on your phone. I'm quite are you? Do you get distracted? Yeah, I, do, I, 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 I practically work. on All my work is on my phone. Right. So if I go on to do that, I'll go, oh, I'll quickly check emails yeah. or I'll quickly do yeah. Twitter. So I have to really actively go, no, that's why I take my camera quite yeah. a lot. Because that way I'm not going to take a picture on yeah. my phone. I've got my camera yeah. on me. Do it all on there. Yeah. yeah. But rocking the pen and paper. Yeah, really, really <laughs> simple. And that, um, even just you know, allow yourself time in your walk or whatever it may be, wherever you're going, to like stop and just be still for like five minutes and just a bit quiet. It's um, it's really amazing. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where I, uh, where was it? Over Christmas time, and I went for a local run and I, I often on my runs will take these out and just stand and have a bit of a look around and see you know, listen to mm. what what birds are around and things and I, I just remember having them um, on this particular path looking up and there were great tits and blue tits and there were blackbirds and it was there was a tree creeper and I could hear woodpeckers and it was just all of a sudden it was like this amazing chorus of all these different sounds and but it was absolutely brilliant and then five minutes later it was gone it was all just like the tree creeper had gone some of the great tits had like moved off elsewhere and wow. i couldn't hear the woodpeckers anymore and it's like it's a moving changing environment constantly so in those moments where you may hear mm. something or you may think you see something or hear a rustle in the leaf litter just take a minute and give it five and see what happens <laughs> yeah that's that yeah because i've been trying to take my headphones out as soon as i get to the park right. or so I, if I walk to the park, you know, I'll have headphones in, listening to a bit of ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> but then, no, that's, I, so I've been trying to like listen to music and have my kind of like introvert in my yeah. head time. But then when I get to the green space, the park, wherever I am, headphones out and just kind yeah. of enjoy yeah. it. And just kind of like listen yeah. and still think and stuff. But you, like you said, connecting with yeah. what's around you because you might not because you might miss something that's there and you don't know yeah i think the temptation is just to go oh i thought i think i saw something i'm not sure what it is or yeah it must have been this move on uh, for, for somebody who may not yeah. really kind of um want that interest but may also not know necessarily what to look for and i think like to, to be mm. a a good naturalist it just comes with patience and time you know you watch other naturalists and how they how they are in these environments and they're so kind of they absorb everything around them and really take the time to understand what that may be so um yeah a bit of patience yeah. i think goes a long way yeah definitely slow up like you just need to slow up yeah. with it it's it's not about like quite often you can just there might be nothing around but just sit in a patch of forest for 10 15 minutes yeah. and just look because something will come down yeah something will it be will there. yeah um, exactly so you just gotta be be patient and wait but i guess that's something especially in especially in london londoners don't have patience yeah I'm not that's surprised. That's why we. That's why we don't go for a walk. We Google best place to go and see wildlife. In yeah, yeah. <laughs> We want to know it. We want to know where it is. Right. I'm going to ask you some classic Ryan questions now. Okay. Um, because I think these are questions we have to have on the show. Oh, no. I th- right. If elephants, what? If elephants weren't your favourite, yeah. Favourite animal. Oh, it's going to be a seabird, isn't it? No, it's a, it's going to be a lamp. <laughs> is it not? It's a lamprey. Sea lampreys. The fish. Yeah. The fish, as if what else would it be? I don't. <laughs> it's, it's, the car, the lamprey car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> a thing on your desk, a lamp. A lamp ray, literally, yeah. the rays that come out of a lamp. Um, no, it's... A lamp ray, It's a lamp okay. ray. I saw them in River Shannon when we were filming for BBC Earth a few years ago and it absolutely mesmerised me and I thought, mm. I, I think they're absolutely brilliant. They're, they're, they're largely unchanged. They haven't, you know, changed for what, hundreds of millions of years in terms of their anatomy. They're, they're absolutely yeah. they're some of our most prehistoric fish. They're brilliant, and we have them here in the UK. Actually, Jack Perks um, recently, I was very jealous, went up to North Wales to see them, and I miss them. But it's... He loves a lamprey. He loves a lamprey. They're he cool. He said to me it was his favourite fish. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now he I did. feel On like... Show, I said, what's your favourite fish? He said a lamprey. Oh, well, now I feel like I'm in the cool club. If he said it, then... Are <laughs> <laughs> well, you trying to be different? <laughs> trying, trying to be quick. Quick, say woodlouse. No one's listening. Yeah, yeah. It's a worm, an earthworm. Um, no, it's uh, it's that they're they're fascinating. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Okay, right. Ne- I'm I'm intrigued of what you're going to say here. Oh, right. No. Bearing in mind, I've said wind, and I'm classing that as a part of nature <laughs> and wildlife and the natural world. What's the most annoying thing about nature, wildlife, and the natural world for you? There's got to be something. Yeah. There's got to be something that winds you up about it. It never waits for you. It never waits for you. It never, like, you... you... <laughs> By the time I get my lens on... This is a classic. This is a classic the other day. Right? And it, I don't know whether it's just me and I'm too slow, but, like, we're just being silly now. But I was... There was a short-eared owl on Skelma Island sat on a post. Yeah. And it's just absolute classic. I was like, by the time I'm like mid-lens change, I'm like, brilliant, I might as well just put it away because I know that by the time I get this long lens on this camera, it's going to it's gonna go off. And like clockwork, it just... Amazing shots, like, in my... I was looking at it going, that would make a good photo, yeah. that would make a good photo, that would make a good photo. It's flying, like, directly towards me, doing a bit of a twirl on the ridge, like, looking for food, <laughs> like, brilliant, and just buggered off. And I was like, brilliant, missed that whole thing. Thanks, nature. Brilliant. Thanks. What's the point? What's that? <laughs> What's the point? And I think no, I think that frustration just comes from obviously like filming is a very different experience to just going yeah. and enjoying it. And I think just sometimes That's fair, though. I just get a bit like, damn, I'm just too slow. <laughs> That's what's annoying. No, I agree. No, the the animal should always wait. <laughs> I mean, it's just a silly like, thing, but <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I think it's perfectly. I think everyone listening will be like, yeah. When you try and get that picture of the butterfly that's finally landed, you're like, don't shoot. <laughs> and you get your camera. as soon as you either get your phone and you swipe or you get your camera it goes i'm done, I'm done. and flies yeah, away yeah. and you're like yeah yeah that's why leif burswedon likes um flowers because they don't move oh it's saying this is it this is why all the the tree and plant the flora people yeah. of the world are living the dream because they have nine hours to yeah. shoot a petal and it's just like oh but, yeah. um, but <laughs> part, part of me feels that I should you know most of the time I'm like right well look it's just you have to embrace the moment if you don't get it on camera mm. just you have to just enjoy it but sometimes yeah. when you're like I need a shot of a short-eared owl to tell like you go out with a story because it's my job and, and nature delivers the goods as it does but it just you know you can't yeah. be like can you just do another lap please because can you do another pirouette just round could you come back yeah yeah yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's what irks oh. me about nature. <laughs> don't don't you find it's a real like kind of new moment? Like when the bird's flying away, it might as well have a middle feather up, just like yeah. That. yeah, 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 just fly yeah. off. Yeah, and you're like, why'd you do that? Like, why? But that's just, do you know. What? I even. I, I mean, sorry to bring up domestic dogs on a wildlife podcast, but 
in the dog daycare, it's the same thing. A dog will be doing something really cute, yeah. and you're like, let's get that for the Instagram. As soon as you get your phone out, it's like, no. Yeah, no, not doing I it. I didn't sign a contract. No, <laughs> yeah. Speak to my agent. <laughs> Speak to my agent and I will perform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we've all had like those encounters or experiences mm. with wildlife where you just miss something. And there is beauty in that. There really, really is. Um, that's what makes nature yeah. nature in a way. But sometimes I'm just like, but but why? <laughs> But well, there's a new trend on Twitter now is that you don't even have to have a picture, mate. You can just tweet it. That's what everyone does. Really? There's loads of tweets of people going. I saw this. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw a golden eagle today. Like, did you? Show me the picture. Show it to me. <laughs> no picture. Didn't happen. Yeah. Come on, Gavin. Show me the goods. <laughs> it was like back in the day when the, you go to the coast of Pembrokeshire and some fishermen are like, I've seen great white sharks. Yeah, yeah, I saw them. And it's like, <laughs> did you really, though? Did you? Was it a basking shark at yeah. distance? Yeah. Are you sure? Do you have a few too many bits? Sure? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of empty bottles of rum on that boat, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say If that. you did, good for you. <laughs> but yeah. No, no. But it is, it is a new thing. And I like it because it means it takes less pressure off me. Mm. It means I can just tweet stuff. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? It means, like, oh, at least I don't have to have the picture. So I, li- I do like the trend of coming up. We can just share. Indy Green does it all the time. Yeah. Well, Indy Green's always sharing a picture of the forest going, saw five goshawks there. I'm like, Indy, they're trees. They're not goshawks. <laughs> FYI, you're a brilliant young naturalist, but just to let you know, that is a tree. That's a tree, Indy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, do you know, it's an interesting point, actually, because it feeds into this wanting to share, and you don't need mm. to have a photo. You know, it's not like no, you, you have don't. to evidence it, but you, and you, but you want to share those special moments. But I think when you, when you, when you do kind of, you're trying to actually put a film together or something that's for yeah. sharing, ultimately as part of a piece, it becomes a little bit. But that's the nature of doing wildlife photography and wildlife filmmaking. So I can't really complain. I'm just, I, you no, asked me. But I, t- no, I think you're, you're allowed to. Everyone needs a bit thanks, of a. Thanks, Ryan. You know. Just... Just wait, no, wait, owls, just wait for me for just a second. <laughs> Cut to a scene of Lizzie with a giant owl neck. Get back here! <laughs> like, PSA, no, we would never do that and Lizzie's never done that. Right, okay. <laughs> this is an ethical podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Last oh, of the God. Ryan questions. Um, what's your biggest wildlife... I mean, this might tie into the answer you just gave, but what's your biggest wildlife fail? Oh, biggest wildlife fail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, now I'm looking forward to this. I'm like, and no, I'm trying to like flick through. I've had quite a few, I think. Just, I don't know which one to pick. I think there was one with elephants, but and I got, I ended up just getting like charged by like a matriarch. Oh my but, god! But that was that was me and a scientist in in the car, and um, yeah, we uh. We were just doing like observations of of this herd of elephants, and this matriarch was just had enough of us after a while. So it was like one of those moments where we literally got Jesus. escorted out by a matriarch, um, and it was like, okay, we'll just take that. <laughs> but I would say my most recent, and this is quite embarrassing to share, because normally if it's like you know you're with wildlife, you have an amazing moment, and you just you obviously want to be quiet. Being quiet is key. And what did you do? Well, I opened my phone and the last thing I'd watched was a YouTube video. But it, there was a gold crest and it was like, wow, this is amazing, like right near us. And I happened to open my phone because I wanted to take a picture. And as I opened it, the YouTube video started playing and it was like, it was like a song or something. It was just so ridiculous. And this gold crest was like, You know the song and you're not sharing it. What was the song? No, I 
actually what was the song? I don't know. It might be like Feliz Come on, Nav- I've said I was listening to ABBA on the show. Like, you, can, you can share what the song was. It was like Feliz Navidad or something, like something really ridiculous. <laughs> I just, was it Feliz Navidad? I don't know. I don't know. Look, it was all just like one of those moments where you just, your heart and your soul gets like crushed because you're like, oh, I had one job. This is what, this is everything. There's like textbook errors of being a naturalist. So yeah. It was that, probably. Amazing. I'm just over the moon <laughs> that you were listening to the potentially I, I, I can't remember, but it was... Sub- <laughs> was it the Gypsy King? Were you listening to Gypsy Kings? I don't... That's that's all right to admit. I don't... What what do you mean Gypsy King? Have they got a version of Feliz Navidad? But it's very Spanishy music. <laughs> Gypsy so King. So I assumed maybe. I don't... I don't. You never heard Gypsy Kings? I mean, sing me a song by by them. Like, what do they... Bomboneo. Oh, of course. Bomboneo. <laughs> <laughs> no, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Them. So that's, that's okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, that that's that crossed off. <laughs> I don't think it was that. I, I can't. All I remember was it happened, and I was with I was with a friend, and it was just I looked at him and was like, so sorry. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, right, so, yeah. last question of the podcast. This is the hardest question, but it's my favourite one because people always. I was going to say people always give lovely answers, but I don't want to put it on a pedestal or put you under pressure. That people never get this question badly, Lizzie. Are you ready? No, I'm not ready. <laughs> um, if you could pass on one bit of advice onto everyone on the planet regarding the natural world, what would you say? Oh, I'm probably going to fall into the same category as everyone else with with what to say. Just that we. Oh, we just don't. Oh, it's going to be all deep, but I, I, I think it's important to say like we don't have we don't have time. Like you are somebody who, if you are, you know, if you've dedicated your life to being in conservation, like you, mm. you will understand the pressures that we need and and this the time that we have to actually like make a difference. And if you're not in the wildlife world, please try and like find ways of connecting, connecting with it because it is so precious and it's so. There's so much instability, I think, and it's so complex and it can be so overwhelming. But, you know, connect with nature, like fully embrace yourself in nature and try and do one thing in your life for the natural world. Because it's not just for the natural world, it's not just for wildlife, it's for you. It's for Mm. your, if you end up having kids, it's for your family, your friends. Like, it's so critical that everybody in some capacity connected and, and whether it's, you as a conservationist inspiring others to become connected or you as a person who works in Tesco that's never seen a gannet like try and find that inspiration because it's so integral and we don't have enough time really it's like a real kind of worry I think moving forward so find a connection and try and do one thing in your life if you can Amazing. Well, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Into the Wild. Thank um, you. It's been a pleasure and a laugh as I knew it would be. So <laughs> I've loved it. Thank um, you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Um, enjoy. Uh, have a safe trip back to Wales. I assume that's where you're going back to yes. after your time in London. Back to Wales, yeah. Um, and I will catch up with you soon, mate. Have a good one. Thank you. I'll chat soon. Bye. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to keep up to date with the projects and work Lizzie is working on, then you can do so on social media. Her tags are in the write-up of this show. And you can also get in touch with me at intothewildpod at gmail.com or on social media at intothewildpod on Twitter and intothewildpodcast on Instagram. Whether you just want to say hello or share some thoughts on an episode or even let me know what you want to hear about next.
A reminder that any views or opinions expressed in today's show belong to the person who said them and do not represent Into the Wild or anyone that we have worked with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild aims to always be a free show, however, running and producing it is not free. If you'd like to support us by saying thanks, and you can do so by buying me a coffee, our Kofi link is in the write-up of this episode. But until next time, keep well, stay safe, and live the good life.